0: Scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 11 through 30. This is Jesus speaking. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and violent people take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John came, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let anyone with ears listen. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Then he began to reproach the cities in which most of his deeds of power had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the deeds of power are done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon,
1: they would have repented long ago
0: in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. For if the deeds of power are done in you had been done in Sodom, It would have remained until this day, but I tell you, on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, this scripture is a seed. May it be planted in our hearts. May the soil there be ripe for it to germinate. Water it, bring it up from the earth. May it grow and bear fruit for our lives for our neighborhoods, for your kingdom, the whole world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. (coughs) Uh, I have said a few times that during my trip to Israel, I've been blown away by almost every place. Every place I went to I thought was more amazing than I would have anticipated, except one place. And that one place is a place I wanna talk about this morning. And it's called Capernaum. It's mentioned in our scripture. Um, Capernaum on its own is is pretty impressive. Um, It's got lots of archaeology, lots of stones. Um, It's got what they think was probably Peter's house. Uh, And there's a big old church built over Peter's house, like sort of impossibly. Uh, It's like almost suspended above his house. And there's lots of ruins. Um, there's even uh, the ruins of a synagogue that another synagogue has been built over. Um, but that original one was probably the one Jesus taught at when he was in Capernaum. That's amazing. Why was it disappointing? Well, so you're walking around and you're like, okay, this is this was Jesus' home base. This is the place he lived. This is the place he slept the most. Um, it's... It's the place where he, I mean, he would have walked around so much, he probably would have, like, made paths in the grass. Um, He stayed out and slept by the fire. He prayed at night. He knew the place really, really well. He spent time there. He didn't just visit. He, He hung out there. And, you know, there's, like, there's just nothing that tells us about him there. There's not, like, like little things of grass where he stepped, like little flowers springing up, you know, which would have been cool. Um, He didn't, like, pick up one rock and write his name on it and said, Jesus was here, which would have been great. Um, You know, and he was a builder. He was the son of a builder and builder. And he didn't even build a house. Like, a house would have been great because he could have said, like, hey, if everybody wonders if I existed, just say, Jesus built this house. And then they'll be like, oh, okay, he existed. Uh, he didn't even do that. And so, it's a weird, weird experience to walk around in this place where Jesus didn't just drop in or didn't just walk, but like inhabited. And then to just feel like, well, this beach looks like a lot of beaches. These, these stones look like a lot of stones. You sort of get stone fatigue over in Israel. There's so many stones. Um, and so... So, you know, you, you wonder, you wonder, like, what was Jesus building? What was he really building? What was he up to? He seemed to be completely unconcerned to build a kingdom like everybody else was building. And, you know, we know that he was, that he was preaching a kingdom, and... Sometimes we interpret this as like, well, it was a spiritual kingdom, and and, and that is true. Um, But it's strange. If you want to build a kingdom, you should at least put some stones together. Some rocks on top of each other. I mean, this is how you build a kingdom. And if he's going to use the word kingdom at that time, it makes sense that he would at least put some stones together. I mean, if you want to know about kingdoms, what do you do? You look at stones. And in Israel, there's just stones upon stones upon stones upon stones. And they know how to recognize which stones go to what. So like the older stones are of course lower, you know, but they were also cut a certain way or they weren't cut, whatever. Um, And there's just like civilization after civilization, all recognizable by their stones. Going way, way, way back to like the Canaanites who made these like mud bricks all the way to the Romans, who made these great, massive towers. And these kingdoms, you know, they thought they were gonna last forever. They never would have imagined that, you know, a uh, tall, overheated pastor with a water bottle would be stepping over their stones and looking for the gift shop. So you wonder, Okay, so if he's out to build a kingdom, what kind of kingdom is it? We're not the only ones to wonder about Jesus' kingdom and how it's different or the same from all these other kingdoms. In our passage, the, um, the passage starts with a question from John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison because he's fighting for the kingdom. So he has confronted Herod, the craziest kingdom builder perhaps of all time, just a madman. And he confronts him because he's breaking the law, the Torah, and he's been thrown in jail, makes sense. So John is in it. John is like invested, John's willing to give his life and he sends word from prison and he says, hey Jesus, can you, like, is it time? Can you just let us know, are you the guy or not? Because I'm in it and I kinda need like some help. And so Jesus is going to respond to this, and that's, that's what our passage is about. But John is sort of feeling what we're feeling, which is, what sort of kingdom is this? If you're not getting me out of jail, what sort of <coughs> kingdom is this? And Matthew's gospel is really mainly about unpacking just what kind of person Jesus is, who on earth Jesus is. And, and chapter 11 is only in the middle of this whole long argument. But but the thing that we see in chapter eleven is this major major contrast between the kind of G- kingdom that Jesus wants to build and then the, all those other kingdoms, all those other stones. On the one hand, it's clear that Jesus is bringing a kingdom. So Jesus wants to be crystal clear about this. This is not a belief system. This is not spiritual guruism. Um, it, 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 it's not a, a helpful way to live your life. It's not self-care or whatever. It's, it's, it is a kingdom. And the kingdom is the best word Jesus can use for what he's doing. And he talks about kingdom more than anything else. That's his main sermon. He wants to talk about a kingdom. And so he's proclaiming this kingdom. And when he says kingdom, what are they thinking? They're thinking of the Assyrians. They're thinking of the Persians. They're thinking of Egypt. They're thinking of Rome. They're even thinking of the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel. So they know what he means by kingdom. But there's some confusion because on the other hand, Jesus is not building anything. He's not making any inscriptions. He's not constructing a wall. He's not acting like Herod. He's not going into the temp to the prison, I mean, and springing John the Baptist and leading a revolution. In fact, he says really clearly here, he says the kingdom has been taken by force until now, from John the Baptist till now. And and what, what he means by that is this kingdom I'm talking about is not the same as all those other ones. All those other ones were about violence. They were about force. They were about some person's ideal of the way the world should be, and then everybody through force is going to realize this person's ideal. At some point, when you're walking around all these stones, whether they're stones laid by um, Israel or stones laid by Rome, at some point it hits you, well, it hit me anyway, that it, it, it wasn't the elite laying these stones. It, it wasn't It wasn't Herod and his closest confidants out there pulling up their sleeves, dragging these stones into place. There's a lot of people dying to build somebody's idea of the kingdom. Because they're heavy, man. So Joseph, we don't know what happened to Joseph. Isn't it weird that Joseph disappears from the gospels? Like he's there as a kid, but like where did Joseph go? Well, Joseph was, we hear we he hear is a carpenter. and eh, probably a builder. Probably more to do with stone. It just says artisan or craftsman or whatever. And so we we assume a woodworker because we're all from Western places with forests and we build most things out of the wood. Over there, they don't build stuff out of wood. They build stuff out of stone. So he was probably one of these people who would lay the big old stones for people. And you know what? He didn't have dental. He didn't have 401k. He didn't have workers' comp. You know, and if you spend your life building someone else's empire and kingdom... You're short. You're, you're going to have a short lifespan. Not many male adults would live that long back then, because you know there have been someone else's stones, and their lifespans were short. That's the cost of these people's kingdoms. Heavy, heavy, heavy burdens. So it's not that kind of kingdom that Jesus is building. Not the one where you lay heavy heavy burdens on people. Not the ones built on violence. But it's not just the rulers who are at fault. Jesus says that we want these kinds of kingdoms. He's upset with people because, because when he came, he was so misunderstood. And he was misunderstood like this because they didn't want the kind of king that Jesus was. And so he gives us an example of these kids in the marketplace, and the kids in the marketplace are like playing their flute, and they're telling Jesus and John to dance, or they're playing a dirge, and they want Jesus and John to grieve and sing a sad song or something like that. And He says, we're, we're not like that. We're not who you want us to be. We don't just build what you want us to build. And so, you know, that's that's how these kingdoms are sustained is people want strong walls. People want huge walls, you know, to protect them. People want security. They want to play the flute and have the person dance. And it doesn't work that way. And so there is a judgment and Jesus has a heavy judgment here. He judges Capernaum. He judges some of these other cities. But the judgment is just that you guys wanted the wrong thing. You wanted a different kind of kingdom. And there is no Capernaum now. I mean, there's the archaeology I told you about, but there's no town. Nobody lives there. No 7-11? What? No seven eleven? I can't understand you. What? Seven Eleven. No, there's no 7-11. <laughs> That's right. There's no 7-11. Uh, there's no farms, there's no, or- I mean, sorry, there are, there's, there's fields, there's orchards, but like nobody inhabits Capernaum. Nobody lives there. It's, it's very, very strange. And that's not just because they didn't recognize Jesus, it's because empire after empire after empire, not just Rome, I mean Rome slaughtered the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and just killed everybody. Um, but it's been empire after empire after empire has brought it by, taken it by violence. These places are ju- have have judgment on them, but we can't have we can't have what Jesus says next without the judgment. We have to become like children. We have to become like children. The kingdom Jesus is offering is not one that has to be taken by force, it's one that's received by gift. And only as children may we receive it. The Father gives us this kingdom in his Son, Jesus. And when the violence sought to tear down the kingdom that the Father was giving, the Father raised up that kingdom again in three days, and it is now an everlasting kingdom. This is not a kingdom that can wear us out. This is not a kingdom that will put on us heavy burdens. But it's still a question. Where are the stones? We can go to Israel, we won't find them, not in the usual places, but we could look for the stones here. Where are they? Peter says, they're right here. We are the stones. The thing that Jesus leaves behind is not a city wall, it's not a temple, it's not a palace. The thing Jesus leaves behind is witnesses. He says, you will be my witnesses. It's all of us. We don't really like that idea. We don't like it because when we think of a building, and I saw lots of buildings like this, all the stones are very well cut. They're plumb, they're straight, they're, they're, they're very well cut. And so we think, well, that couldn't possibly be us because I'm I'm rather lumpy or pointy or crumbly in places, whatever it may be. But Peter also says that Jesus was the stone that was rejected and had become the chief cornerstone. Um, One of these days I may talk about Israel less, but I can't help it for now. So one of the really cool things about stones in Israel is that almost... Every stone in Israel is usable for for building because it's so soft. You can cut it and make exactly what you want, except for an area of Jerusalem where the stones are sort of broken and uh, fractured and you you can't quarry them. You can quarry around them, but you can't quarry them. And so guess what the Romans used that place for? Crucifixion. And so you could go now to this area where we think that they used uh, these stones for crucifixion. They would have places where they could sink the posts for the cross. You can go there now, and those stones are still there. And you can touch them. And you can see that this is the stone, this rejected stone was the stone that Jesus (laughs) used to build his kingdom. And if he's going to use fractured, useless stone like that, And he can use human beings to build his kingdom as well. Lumpy though we may be. The other kingdom will wear us out, will wear us down. It will be a heavy burden, but this kingdom gives rest. Rest to all of us. We don't have to perform. We don't have to be what somebody wants us to be. We don't even have to achieve some sort of ideal, and we don't have to pursue it through violence or force. Instead, what we can do is we can come to Jesus and take the easy way, the easy yoke, follow in Jesus' footsteps, and become part of the living stone, the living kingdom that Jesus came to build. Amen. Lord, teach us to become like children so that we can understand your kingdom. Teach us how to rest. Teach us how to take your yoke upon us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. May the peace of Christ go with us wherever he may send us. May he guide us through the wilderness and protect us through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. Go in peace.